Hey dreamers, my name is Yaru and you're listening to the Dating Revolves podcast. I'm glad you're here. I hope you're looking forward to a beautiful weekend and the new moon in Scorpio on Sunday, Monday. Woo! <laughs> and then Samhain is coming up as well. So I am in my element because it is Scorpio season now and I'm settled back in Scotland and I'm excited to snuggle down. But before I do, I wanted to bring you this beautiful conversation with Jennifer Blue. We talked about natural movement, the initiation of motherhood, really coming to honor our bodies and learning about anatomy, as well as creating trauma-sensitive movement spaces, which can totally be in our own homes. I really love this conversation and I love Jennifer's work and I'm excited to bring it to you. So thank you so much for listening. Just a few announcements from me. I will be closing enrollment for Embodied Magic, the membership, at the end of the month. So that is on Thursday. And that is because I think um, this is shifting a little bit. I really love the life circles that we're doing together. Next month in November, I'm hosting my first grief circle and I'm currently training as a death doula. I'll be recording another episode on that, but just to say that I'm excited to bring death awareness and that kind of work into this program and I don't know exactly what that's going to look like next year and I also feel that I really want to make people feel welcomed and seen and really included in the community because it is so much about really getting together for the cause that we have. Um, so unless you, just in case you don't know what I'm talking about, Embodied Magic is a low-cost membership program I'm offering. You can join it by pledging three, six or nine dollars on my Patreon and it gives you a monthly self-care packages where journaling prompts and movement practices, recipes, tarot spreads, um, how-to guides for herbal recipes and playlists and then we also have two life circles where we gather together to reflect and just see what comes up and make some magic together. So that is really great fun and I'm really glad it's so affordable but I'm trying to find better ways to kind of welcome people into the community. Um, at the moment for example I'm sending new uh, members video messages to welcome them but I think there could be a better process and I'm just kind of rethinking this whole thing a little bit so that is why I'm closing enrollment on Thursday until next year and then I'll be back with a new and possibly slightly different offering and I just wanted to let you know about that otherwise I'm really really loving the death doula training and feel so grateful that I get to do it and I'm also really loving rooting down in Scotland now and it seems that getting off social media has really enabled me to bring you new podcast episodes more consistently and I'm super appreciated f appreciative for your feedback. So if you like this show, please leave a review. That really makes a huge difference. Uh, it motivates me a ton and it also means that more people can find it. So yeah, thank you so much. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us. I know I always say that, but honestly, I'm so lucky to get to do this work. I have such beautiful people reaching out to me about having conversations about things that I really love. And today is another day like that. I'm speaking to Jennifer Gleason Blue, um, which is really aligned right now. The seasons are changing. I'm thinking a lot about what that means to my body. And Jennifer is doing such beautiful work about embodiment and movement 
She has the most hilarious, honest, and funny Instagram account. I learned so much about motherhood, being not a mother myself from it, I think, in like a really just, in a way that really made me giggle inside. And I love that feeling. So I'm super excited to speak to you, Jennifer. Thank you so much for making time for the show and being open to talking to me. Welcome. Thank you, Yara. I'm so happy to be here. (laughs) Great. Well, why don't we start with talking about what's making you giggle in your life and what kind of work are you doing in the world? Oh, gosh. Uh, Well, my children are certainly high on the giggle. Um, I have a just turned eight year old and a just turned one year old. Um, So life is um, very messy and strange and um, unpredictable in all of its mundane predictableness. Uh, so yeah, I would say that that definitely um, brings a lot of the giggle. My husband and I have a lot of shared joy around that. So there's like a, an appreciation for the craziness of this phase of life. Um, mm-hmm. And in terms of my work, I so I'm an embodiment coach and a natural movement teacher, and uh, I do a lot of that, um, you know, in the in the virtual sphere of things. Um, and so I'm hearing feedback. I don't know if that's on my end or what. Um, um, that might be my dog. I'm so sorry. <laughs> 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 that is totally what I'm hearing. <laughs> I was like, crap, so is it my sorry. microphone? No, no, that's great to know. <laughs> no. And I just tried to get his attention, I was like waving at him. I was like, mate, I'm recording. Come on now. Leave this rule outside me. <laughs> I'm just used to have cut down now. And we brought Selena into the podcast, so that's really great. I was listening to you totally. And I was mostly listening to myself until I was like, oh no, my microphone's being all funky, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, a perfect example of like taking something on myself that's not mine. Um, So. Uh, I'm really interested in how in how we move about life, and and so for me, so you know, I mean, I use the words like an embodiment coach and a natural movement teacher, but it really comes down to that, and 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 there is the physically how we move about life, so what's happening in our bodies, and how do we relate with the environment around us, but there's the way that life gets expressed through our bodies and calls us to change and calls us into our desires and our creativity, and so how are we how are we moving about life in those ways? And what is the, that point of intersection? So between the physical body and the other parts of life, to me, that's very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to me too. How did you come to do this work? Because I think, you know, there's so many different ways in. I would love to hear a little bit more about that story. Yeah. Um, well, I think like many of us, it's a story of trauma and a descent. Um, I had a really, I had a really difficult first birth. Um, my son, it was a 54-hour labor and back labor, which mm-hmm. meant he was poorly positioned, and and so like it was, ex- mm-hmm. there was an excruciating quality to it, and it went on and on and on and on. And I had planned a birth at a birth center, and I ended up in a hospital with a cesarean section. And I came out of that 
So that was a traumatic experience of itself in large part. I mean, it's a physical trauma, of course, but it was so counter to my expectations and desires. And, and I wanted to understand, well, how does this happen? Like I did the right things. I had midwives. I, I believed in natural birth, you know, like, and, and so I, I ended up in many ways going down two paths, which are deeply intertwined now. And one was that I had repressed sexual trauma and so my body was responding to that. And so, you know, here I'm, here I'm trying to do this thing with the pelvis opening, right? And like my body is like, oh no, oh no, we're not going to do that. And then the, the companion piece to that is that I discovered how the way we use our bodies every day impacts biological function. So the shoes we wear and the amount we sit and the, the lack of walking we do. And, you know, that there's a, this very limited range of movements that most modern humans go through and that that isn't just creating discomfort in the back or things like that. It's literally impacting our biology. And so, so for me, those two paths eventually really wove together and understanding how they... Mm, feed each other in the, in the system and, and how they relate. How does, how does our, our physical trauma, our emotional trauma relate with our movement habits and our movement capacity and vice versa and how it becomes kind of a, a feedback loop in a way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that, that was yeah. my, my big introduction. I would also add that motherhood itself, um, my child wouldn't sleep and I realized like he needed to cry. He needed somebody to hold him and listen mm-hmm. to his own feelings and I could not cry. And so it, it was mm-hmm. like, oh, if I don't feel, then you won't feel mm-hmm. and you will have to do this work mm-hmm. that I'm unwilling to do. And so mm-hmm. I better get willing to do it because otherwise I'm just passing mm-hmm. it on and I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that became the call. So the, the work sort of emerged out of the birth in many ways as a wake up, like, oh, I'm not really alive. And I didn't know that. Um, and then the, the impulse to really follow through was like, oh, oh, like this, this doesn't actually stop with me. This continues on if I let it and I don't want to let it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Wow. Yeah. I just want to reflect that back to you, Jennifer. That is so beautiful and so relatable even to me as, you know, not, not being a parent, I donated eggs a mm. few years ago and I just had a few um well actually a series of like daily internal ultrasounds and I felt so invaded so mm-hmm. it was exactly not exactly the same experience at all obviously <laughs> but it was a similar kind of coming bringing up of sexual trauma of like no 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 this isn't right and mm-hmm. and totally um my body was re- rejecting that experience and also the medical intervention of it and the coldness of that kind of environment, I think was really hard for me. So I'm sorry you had to go through that and thank you for sharing and well done for moving through it to so beautifully and seeing so much um, potential in, um, and growing from that. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I think I'm, I'm sitting here holding your experience too and, and just feeling the universality of that, that invasion, that that, is, that seems to be mm-hmm. a big part of what most women experience. In some way, the, the physical body has been invaded and I mean, we could go on about the rest of the parts of self that have been invaded by the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and it usually happens um, 
very young, but then it gets perpetuated, just like you're saying, in these cold, mm-hmm. sterile medical environments where, mm-hmm. you know, and so, so then we, we return to that state of trauma and without a lot of attention, we can hang out there a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's so normalized and that's really, really making me feel like having these conversations is so important to really name that that is not okay and mm-hmm. that that's something that deserves attention and healing and resources and time and space and real um, kind of opening openness to just listening to what's needed um, because there really isn't something like this one thing that we could recommend everyone do <laughs> at home right now, you know, right. <laughs> you figure it out. <laughs> so I'm so excited to bring different voices together to really illustrate that it's different for each of us and we can, you know, share tools and experiences and create spaces to explore. And that's so important. But at the end of the day, um, the most powerful thing I think is, is really learning to trust our own voice and inner knowing and the wisdom and, and those things. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. and this is a question i'm usually asking in the beginning but i kind of skipped that because i got too excited but i want to come back to it now (laughs) because it feels nice to give listeners the chance to um imagine in their minds where you are right now so i'm wondering where you are in the world and what nature is like around you Mm. i am uh i'm in the american southwest um so so new mexico specifically and uh, and here it is high desert, um, and that may or may not mean things to your listeners, um, but it's so so we're at high elevation, and um, there are lots of uh, pinyon trees and junipers, and but there are also alpine forests, um, plenty of cactus. Uh, so it's a pretty diverse. It's way more diverse in its landscape than I expected before coming here. So I'm I'm a recent transplant from the urban Northeast of, of the U S and it's been a big shift. Um, but the open space and the air, the sky, oh my gosh, the sky and, um, (laughs) the lushness of like riparian areas where, you know, you have these like amazing streams and rivers and suddenly there are these giant cottonwood trees. And so it's, it's a pretty incredible, it's an incredible landscape in which to explore, and continue this work for myself. Like it's, it's been an important uh, geographical shift um, for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds really beautiful. It doesn't mean super much to me, but it was really beautiful to hear some of the characteristics and about the trees and the rivers. And also I'm a fellow ginger. Isn't it too hot? <laughs> what, did, what was the, what was the last thing you said? Um, I'm a fellow ginger. Isn't it uh-huh. too hot for us? In- <laughs> <laughs> so you'd think so. Where where I live, I mean, it's four seasons. So we, you know, like lots of snow in the winter. Um, yeah. In many ways, I mean, in tr- indeed, like my my people come from Ireland. Like I am meant for cool, like damp. Uh, or at least that's my that's the heritage, right? Like cold and damp. Um, and here it is warmer and drier, uh, very dry. And the, it's the dryness more than the heat, because in some ways, like it, it gets hot. It's still hot here, but it, from you know where I grew up, it, it also got very, very hot, but just very humid as well. Um, so 
Yeah, I would say it's not, it doesn't feel like the DNA is perhaps um, uh, (laughs) suited in some ways to the environment. Like there's a way that I can feel that like, huh, wow, I should probably be in a cloud somewhere. And, and yet there's, um, I've also lived in Los Angeles. There is like a, there is something really amazing about having a lot of sunlight. And in some ways it kind of balances out that like, that lineage of mine where I might tend toward more brooding. And when I get a lot of sun, it's like, Oh, I can, I can kind of hold myself more gently. Um, yeah. So that's how as a ginger, I experience the, the climate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Thank you. Um, my next question is for those that maybe don't know the words natural movement, can you share a bit more and maybe also say something about how it relates to being in your body and embodiment in general to you at this point and, and maybe also in earlier points in your life. Yeah, I will see. I will see how these all come together in my mind. Um, and I, I want to acknowledge most people don't know what natural movement is. It's like an impossible way to lead with or embodiment for that matter. It's, you know, people kind of stare at me blankly. Okay. Um, so when I when I talk about natural movement, and I'm drawing a lot here on the work of Katie Bowman, who's one of my teachers and mentors, and and so we're really looking at how has the body moved through most of human history, and in what environments, and uh, I guess I could just stop there. In what environments was our DNA developed, and and so, and how is that different than how we're moving now? So our quantity and quality of movement in modern life is significantly diminished compared to what it was when we were, say, hunter-gatherers. And, and so there's a, an impetus, and yet the biology still requires the same movements. It's kind of like you could think about a parallel with food. It's not like, it's not like we stopped needing all of the nutrients that we you know, that the body needs just because fast food is available. Like the body still needs healthy food. And, and so, so our biology still needs a lot of movement and natural movement is looking at that. What are the movements that are natural to the human body? Understanding that we all have various limitations born or developed through injury or illness later, but that the more of those that we can give ourselves, the more health we are bringing to specific parts of the body. And a piece of that is understanding that health isn't a whole, that we, we can't always look at it as a whole system, that we may be healthy in some ways, but that the knee joint may be unhealthy or the tissues in the pectoralis may be not getting blood flow because we never, ever extend our arms beyond that, which we do when we're cooking or we're typing or we could probably stop there, right? And looking at our phones. So, so natural movement is about that. It's about looking at the gaps, um, the sticky places in the body that aren't moving and, and bringing more movement to them in, the con- in this broader context of how have humans been moving through the bulk of human history. Um, and there were some corollary questions that I'm not holding at the moment mm. that you had asked. No, that is okay. I did ask a full, fully complex <laughs> 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 question. Um, so I was, yeah, I was hoping for a little bit of background on what natural movement is, and that is beautiful. That makes total sense to me. And then I was wondering how that relates to embodiment for you, and maybe also how that understanding and perception and feeling in your body has changed over time as you are exploring what natural movement means for you and how it affects you. 
Okay, so let me see if I can hold both of those. I'll go with the first, and if I lose track, you can bring me back. Um, yes, yes. <laughs> I, and I, I don't know what this is in your own world and, and kind of what you've tracked. My experience is that embodiment work can hold a lot of, it's like, um, uh, there's like a there's a there's a big like thinking and sensing aspect. So so we we kind of reorient our mindset around the body, and then we there can be a lot of like sensing into what is here and what's not here, and how do we feel? And I have found that magical things happen in those capacities when we restore movement and we bring that in. So it's, so in this idea, the sense, so uh, I work a lot with women and really, and just like our conversation about trauma and the medical system and things like that, there is a way that women have been separated from their bodies, usually from the time they are very young. They're separated from them physically through various, through various traumas, but also through the habits that we are told to adopt and through the beliefs that we are told to hold about the value of our body. And when we begin to move and we know what we're moving and we are able to um, alignment is a piece of this. So it's kind of like if you can, if you can understand um, the rotation of your femur and how your femur will or will not move in relationship to your hip, you start to come into the body in an entirely different way. And you find places in the body that need love and attention and we could look at this at just the biological level, right? Like, so, okay, if I can externally rotate the femur and I can walk, I have access to my glutes. So if I have access to my glutes, then I'm creating adequate tension on the pelvic floor. So I'm now having a base of support that didn't exist before. And when we understand the external rotation of the femur while walking accesses the glutes and gives adequate tension on the pelvic floor, we're going to, from this deeper, deeper level, we're going to see that suddenly we're in the pelvis. And what does it mean to be in the pelvis? Like we've actually accessed something that perhaps has been shut off for years and years and years and years. And very often what happens is that there are a lot of feelings there. Maybe we even feel unsafe doing these movements. So what does that mean? And how do we hold the space to be there, to really reclaim this part of the body? But without the movement piece, the reclaiming of the body doesn't happen nearly as completely. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. It really, really does. Um, I don't know every of the um, uh, <laughs> of the words that you use <laughs> in English, my first language, but that's totally cool. I because <laughs> I am very interested. Well, and that does really make sense to me. Yeah, go ahead. No, I apologize um, I, for using anatomical no. terms. It's not always very useful. So I'm talking here about the leg moving in relationship to the hip. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and how, yeah. yeah that's and so. really cool. My experience was just like, it tickled me. And I was like, ooh, these are fancy words. I don't know. I'm not <laughs> because um, there is something really beautiful in like mapping our body in our minds in a different way well what i mean by that is not you know not theorizing necessarily more this is and at the end of the day to me just a tool for embodiment but i feel like mm-hmm. understanding how the different systems in my body work together and what they actually look like 
is really powerful and it kind of helps me think about them with more kindness and compassion and it makes it easier to understand certain signals and really kind of listen to them and, and think about what that might call me to explore or nurture or listen to or whatever. So that totally makes sense to me. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Um, I also want to circle back to natural movement and illustrate that a little bit more. I feel that so strongly. I think my, um, my range of, of motions and the kind of habitual movements or positions that I'm inhabiting really feel limited sometimes and it does give me so much joy to intentionally expand that so yesterday for example I'm working well I have a dog so I walk several times a day which I absolutely love and we just moved to a new place so everything is shiny and new at the moment I'm so excited <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so we walked we walk this path along the coast and we found some wild raspberries and blackberries and I had to kind of climb um a little hill or like the the side of this yeah the side of the cliff a little bit which sounds scary but it wasn't it was totally safe anyway so I was climbing a bit and like reaching up for the higher up blackberries and there was so much joy not just from reaching them because I'm very a very short person <laughs> and so that was this big success but also from like really like you know like letting these tiny blackberries burst in my mouth the pleasure of that and then also the sensation of like having fully stretched out and having made that connection and having used my body in a different way and breathing the sea air and all these different beautiful sensations coming together was just really yeah it was just like a moment of really big bliss and and it made me yeah it made me come home and think about my desk a little bit differently <laughs> I'm sitting at it so yes yeah. well and that I mean and it's it's not that we, you know, we're, we can't romanticize any other time period. You know, it's not like, oh, like the hunter-gatherers really, you know, they, they had the best of it. It's, and, and it's like, you just described this, like, you used the word bliss. And what would it be like for you to have more bliss? And mm -hmm. if, it, if that means being, you know, and it's you and it's me and it's all of us, if that means being out from behind our desks and moving through nature and that that, that enables us to stay in relationship with the self that enables life to express itself beautifully through us. That enables us to come alive and feel pleasure and bliss. Then don't we want to do more of that? And yet it's hard. It's hard, right. To not continue to um, stay just a little bit disembodied, you know, like that's a lot. That's a big experience to give ourselves and we often pull away from it. Yeah, totally. I agree. Um, I have another question, which is, uh, and you can really take this any way you like, but I'm wondering <laughs> what do you wish everyone knew about the human body? Oh, um, yeah, there are, there are ways to take that. Um, <laughs> I was like, I'm just like, what do I wish I really, I really, you know, took in about the human body? Um. What feels most real in this moment in response to that question is, is the value of the full experience. Like we, everything that we get to experience happens because we have a body. And whether that's the, you know, the chronic pain or that's 
some amazing psychic empathic ability or that is the joy of making love to a partner, that it all exists because of this form. And I grew up, I grew up in a uh, Christian church and I've always been taken with the idea of the word becoming flesh. And so there's this like magic to me that it is implied in being in a body. And I wish that everyone knew that it is magical and amazing that they are here in a form and get to move about life at all. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you. I'm really glad we landed there. And and at the same time, I hope we can talk again and take this in many more other directions. Um, <laughs> question is, from what your point of view, um, having worked with and through trauma in lots of different ways, how do you feel or you wish movement spaces became more trauma sensitive? Does that mm. make sense? I think yeah. And well, it makes, I mean, so I I have an assumption when you say movement spaces, you're talking about like yoga studios, Pilates, gyms. Mm -hmm. So there's probably a reason that I um, move mostly in nature and at home that those, (laughs) so so I want to name that, that they're like really important um, when you're, dealing with trauma that sometimes removing yourself from movement spaces is very helpful. And here's, and and I think the reason is because one of the most important pieces, and you started here was this idea of trust and trusting the body and, and that, and it often takes distance, you know, from forces outside. Mm -hmm. That being said, I think that what I have observed is if a movement teacher of any sort is not embodied him or herself, then the environment can't be very trauma sensitive. So there is a piece that, that movement teachers need to do deeper work on themselves and they need to be start to be connecting these parts. Um, so I, I'm realizing I'm going to entirely answer this from the movement teacher perspective, because I think the envi- physical environment mm-hmm. itself is so varied for people. Like, you know, some people respond differently. I'm super sensitive to noise um, and things like that. The other pieces, though, is that I, there needs to be an explicit um, communication that you're trustworthy. So, like, as a movement teacher, it's really important to me to always be saying, hey, you're the expert on your body. You know what you need to do and don't need to do. And I have lots of things to teach, and I'm going to invite you into all kinds of different things. And and you may feel uncomfortable, but if you want to stop, that's a part of your own healing is to be able to say that. But it goes beyond for me just that explicit piece, which I think movement teachers need to do in movement spaces, but to also name what is seen. So that can be like, oh, I see dissociation happening here. I see that you're like you're giving me all of the power and all of the authority and that that's a trauma response. And I'm going to work with you to shift that paradigm. So there's a lot of, in my perspective, there's a lot of onus on the movement teacher, him or herself, to um, to be with what's true for a person, even if that is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. Yes, thank you. Um, yeah, it really does. I have I have explored many different movement spaces myself, and 
I've also taught classes in the 20s. I haven't for a while, but I might again. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I hear I hear that a lot. And I think it's very complex. Um, there's so many different elements to it. And I think, as, you know, what's what it means for someone for a space to be safe will be so different. Um, yeah. Some of us need accessible toilets um, in order to mm-hmm. attend the class. Some of us need to know as much as possible about the environment and the teacher before it starts. That's something that's really comforting to me, Mm -hmm. to have as much information as possible so so that I can plan. And and I totally agree. I I feel like sometimes distance is really good. And as much as I love meeting people in the flesh, and I think there's so much magic in connecting in real life and being in circle with people and you know, sharing a physical space in the world. I'm also so incredibly grateful that we now have all these technologies that allow us to bring facilitation and teaching and inspiration into our homes because for so many of us, that's the most accessible space to start in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I love moving in my, um, I just finished my bedroom and it's this most cozy space. It's just my bed and my altar and nothing else, there's no storage, no books, nothing. So it's really pretty blank. And um, I feel it's such a luxury and a blessing to have a space that's really just for rest and play. Mm. Um, and moving in there is is so much more possible for me. And I've, I've noticed since I've moved here 10 years ago, just really like, yeah, claiming that space, more dancing in there. And it's so much fun. And then, and then from that place of feeling really grounded in that, I might um, explore what classes are in the community here. Um, but I'm really glad that I have this starting point. I think that works for many people. So I'm excited that you are offering classes online as well. And um, yeah, I think that's really beautiful. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it gives us a. I think you know when you're dealing with trauma, it's like you need time to metabolize what's happening and Mm -hmm. and there's a pressure that can happen when you're in a group a live group where you feel Mm -hmm. like oh I have to keep up or I have I I need to not curl up and cry (laughs) and you know and there can be a way that being at home gives you that exact space that you need Mm -hmm. you can still be facilitated in some way or you can move on your own and Mm -hmm. you there's more self-permission to Mm -hmm. stay with yourself yeah, yeah, totally agree. Um, and I also want to just really quickly tell a story of something that didn't work for me because I know, and I hope some people will listen to this and just feel like, oh yeah, that's hard for me too and that's valid because it is hard. So um, I attended a yoga class because I really felt like I really wanted movement. I was craving inspiration for um, different ways of moving and kind of getting into my body. So I attended this class and Um, I didn't know it was a male teacher and this has different layers. It's totally fine. I think had I known, I would have probably chose a different teacher. Um, But then also kind of like having that sensitivity in myself brought stuff up and I was like, oh, you know, like this could be a totally great person. And why do I make this assumption based on someone's name? This could clearly also be a man's name, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, I found myself in this class and um, I was in downward dog and um, this guy stood behind me and put his hand on my back and kind of pushed mm. my hand a bit, which I totally didn't see coming. Uh-huh. I was so uncomfortable with. And it just took me, like, you know, in, in, on some levels, you could say it's not a big deal and I would love to be the kind of person that just bounces back from that. But the reality for me in that moment was it really upset me because 
I didn't ask for that adjustment. I felt really comfortable with the way my downward dog already was. And it also meant that in future classes, I noticed that my heart started racing when someone was stepping behind me. Mm -hmm. On a conscious level, I know nothing really bad can happen to me here. There is uh-huh. this kind of, you know, somatic connection to that's not safe. I don't want this. And then being overstepped here. And um, so, you know, and, and I think what really helped me then was to say, okay, I'm going to remove myself from the possibility of experiencing that for now. And even though I feel a bit shy that this is even a big deal to me, I'm just going to honor that this is a big deal for me. And that's good enough. That's all I need to know. And I'm going to give myself time, you know, as much as I need until I want to go to a class again. And in the meantime, I'll do all the downward dogs in my own way. In my own <laughs> you know? Yes. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up because I, I agree. It's like the, the impulse that so many of us have is like, there's something the matter with me. I should be fine. This should be okay. And we totally cut ourselves off from the opportunity to heal that and to reset the nervous system. Cause it's like, you're saying like, you're not, you're not trying to make your heart race. You know, um, I find that a lot with my clients in exposed positions. Like even, even like being on hands and knees doing um, a supported squat. It's like, there've been several clients where it's like, put a blanket over, over your mm-hmm. backside, you know, mm-hmm. like, or, or be up against a wall so that there's not space behind you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just doing this yesterday. I was like doing some work on being, feeling safe, being bigger in the world. And, and so I, I immediately had the impulse to like come to the ground and just kind of roll around a bit, but I wanted to see what that would be like standing up right where I'm bigger. And, and I could do it against, I was against a door, but I, I couldn't do it facing the door like I still needed my I still needed to face out I needed the support behind me and I couldn't have my back exposed and I you know and it's like really it's taken a long time to be able to honor those limitations like here I am in my house by myself and I'm still going to do it this way because this is at this moment this is the place I can stay I can stay here otherwise I have to I have to cut off somehow Mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense thank you for sharing that's really beautiful um you mentioned a few things already and i love the idea of putting a blanket on yourself i hadn't considered that so cool i also have a weighted blanket that i really love and i want to play with how that feels in movement practice because usually i just crawl under it when i'm a bit anxious (laughs) yeah but i wonder that could be mm, interesting cool so (laughs) yeah i'd highly recommend i do that all the time like bolsters and pillows and things like it's like can can you decrease the anxiety in the movement so that then the movement becomes available? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> so my next question in that direction was, what, what might be a great home practice that people can try? They feel curious about what you're saying and that they're kind of starting to daydream. What is a good place to start? Mm. The first... The first thing that comes to mind is is to tend to your environment. Um, I feel that a big part of our of our sort of uh, complicity in remaining disembodied is that we set our environments up so that we don't ever have to move and mm-hmm. and so my when I think about a home practice, I, I immediately think use the floor, mm-hmm. you know like instead of sitting in a chair, come lower. If you can, if your body can do that, then then come to the ground and see what it is to work on your computer. 
while you're lying on your belly or while you're sitting with your legs crossed and your computer is up on the couch or, or whatever. But there are so many ways you cut your vegetables on the ground um, mm-hmm. that if the body has that capacity currently, then reclaim that capacity to get all the way down and all the way up on a regular basis. Um, and then the other thing to this emerged as we were talking about the blankets and things is to relax the belly. Mm-hmm. Um, our, we hold so much tension in our, in the, through the core and, um, and you want to talk about things that both separate us from our power and separate us from our like healthy biological function. One of the first things we can do is just soften the belly. Stop, stop sucking in, stop holding just like that kind of chronic bracing that we do. Um, and this may be something to practice just first as an exercise. Um, what does it mean to say be on hands and knees and let the belly drop into cushions um, so that we feel that, um, some feedback and we don't feel like we're softening into a void, but then what's it like to just go around your house without bracing all of the time, without trying to be smaller. So those are the two things that come to my mind for right now. Mm, Yeah, they sound really beautiful. I love the idea of softening my belly into a pillow. That's definitely something I'm going to try. Um, I feel like I've softened quite a bit, but you're right. I'm not, I'm very, this is a hard boundary for me. And I love this practice of like making up random boundaries for myself and sticking with them just so I experience myself in that power, you know, Mm. and sometimes they're very silly, but one of my boundaries at the moment is not to have buttons on my belly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, for me, my friends, I'm not wearing jeans. So, um, you know, does it really, you know, change my life? I don't know, but it feels good to just kind of like, yeah, re- you know, reclaim that, that autonomy, mm-hmm. yes, around how I dress. So anyway. Um, I love that. <laughs> do, you, do, you, yeah? do, you know the, do you know the writer Anne Lamott? No, I don't. Okay. Uh, she's an American writer, but she, she once gave a commencement speech at a, like, I think a university graduation and, um, and one of the things she said was to never wear pants that have an opinion about your size. Oh God. Yes. <laughs> I love that. I just <laughs> like, right, right. I should not, my clothes should not be like giving me that kind of feedback. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, totally. But it also means that I don't have a lot of feedback around my tummy, you know, but there's good feedback as well. And that, that pillow idea really speaks to me. So that's cool. Cool. Um, I have I, I have another question for you, and this is so big, so I'm kind of sorry I'm keeping it for last. <laughs> and I also know we won't really, really be able to totally go there, but let's make a start, and then hopefully we can one day talk again. But I'm wondering what you have learned from motherhood. <laughs> just, just like a yeah. small. Oh, I'm so sorry. I have to pick the door. I will come back in one second and cut this out. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Hello. Hello again. I'm sorry. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Oh gosh, I I will learn to um, mute the doorbell for next time. Um, (laughs) I'm just going to cut this out and I'll ask my question again and we can have a a relatively smooth transition (laughs) to your answer. (laughs) 
Um, so yeah, let me just kind of keep the, the biggest and best question for last. And I, I feel sorry asking such a big question kind of at the end of our conversation. And I want to acknowledge that it's not going to be possible to really give it the space it deserves. But I wonder what you've learned in mother about motherhood or from motherhood that you would like to share with us. Oh, wow. Um, I'm just picturing my children wanting me to say 800 things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> have you learned this yet, mom? <laughs> oh, it could be boiled down. It can be boiled down to probably one, one primary thing um, that in terms of relevance to this conversation, which is that, that my children have shown me very clearly that my reality becomes their reality. So whatever, whatever work I'm willing to do to come into my own body, to come into my own life, to move about life in a way that is aligned for me and brings more life and more love and more health, that all of that becomes the container in which they can explore life. So the smaller that that is for me, the smaller it is for them. It's like I It's like we talked about earlier in terms of like my son and his need to cry. If I cannot cry, then he cannot cry because mm -hmm. he's, he, I'm not, I'm not able to hold the space for him to cry because those feelings, it's too, it's too painful for me. But it's also that he gets the energetic and implicit message that crying is not good. And it is an incredibly frustrating thing as a parent to feel like, you know, like your every move is connected to what's possible for your child. It's like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, but that has been, that has been one of the hugest things. And I've realized how that then, you know, it's not just our children. It's like the work that you do become, creates more possibility in the world for other people who, you know, connect with you in some way. And that it's like, if I let my belly relax, then somebody else can let her belly relax. And, That changes the world. Um, so that piece around children, though, has made that very, like, it's brought it into sharp relief. It is really clear that my work um, really shapes their ability to move about life. And that they then, if I do my stuff, then they get to go on and do the next level. They don't have to do my work for me. Mm -hmm. Yes, that is music in my ears. One of my friends the other day said, that's chocolate in my ears. And I was like, oh, yeah. I like that, yeah. <laughs> that is definitely chocolate to my ears. Thank you. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, Jennifer, what are you currently offering? Where can people find you if they're curious about your work? And they may be, I mean, first of all, I highly want to recommend your Instagram account, even though I'm not on Instagram anymore. But it's so cool and funny. I really think people should check it out. <laughs> Well, thank you. Yes. So, and I assume you put these in the notes. Um, so I, I don't know. need to, sure. yeah. So I'm at Jen Gleason Blue on Instagram and I'm on Facebook. Um, and my website is jennifergleasonblue.com. And so, yeah, so I, I'm right now, I'm like wrapping up the launch of a 10 month program. Um, it's a rite of passage called embodied and, um, And that will, the, the, the container for that will be closed by the time your listeners are hearing this. But I have so many, like all kinds of smaller things like 
workshop on the pelvis and a workshop on mothering and things like that. But then I have these amazing larger courses, um, one called Heart Body Method that's all about restoring the connection between movement and the heart and another called Restore Your Wild. So that's for people who who really want to come into their bodies in a bigger way and move about life kind of from that wild woman center um, and then I have a toolkit called Embodied Essentials. So a lot of the stuff that we've actually been talking about today, like just these small practices that can be taken into your life on the regular to help you stay here and to explore a little bit more about what's happening in the body and how can I move differently that's going to shift some things or invite some new awarenesses. And all of that's available on my website. Mm, and yes, we will totally link to that. So if someone didn't have a chance to write it down, that's totally cool. Jennifer, awesome. thank you so, so much for talking to me. I said to you before we started recording that, um, I mean, I, I immediately had a great feeling about this conversation <laughs> when we first emailed, but also um, I would love to have you on the show again. And I'm really excited to bring um those who want this in for another conversation because I always feel there's so much more to say and explore and this was such a beautiful introduction to you and your work and I'm really grateful and very excited to share it with everyone. Thank you so much it's been a real honor and I, I feel so and likewise since I first encountered you I have felt held it is like this the sense of there being somebody in the world who holds um, space that's really needed certainly by me and I know lots of other people and I really appreciate that way that you show up that uh, gives me the feeling of being held oh thank you thank you so much <laughs>